Welcome to the 250 show for movie lovers in the know for a bonus episode you just hit the mother load the start of Oscar season now might just start to explain how Darren 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 what? 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 You're fired. But it's it's a two fifty bonus episode. Yeah, I know. I, I I can see the comic books. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. And we're talking to you tonight about La La Land, which is one of the newest entries in the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. A musical directed by Damien Chazelle, it jumped into the IMDb on January 1st, 2017, at a position of 30th. In the eight in the week since, it has soared, uh, reaching highs of 23. It is the 23rd best movie of all time, as voted before by IMDb users. Andrew, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm glad that the 23rd best movie of all time, according to IMDb list well, <laughs> reviewers, is is good. It's good. Yes, right? it is. It is. I, I, I was sitting down. This this is the second podcast we've recorded in 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 the week. Yeah, I think the <laughs> the last podcast we recorded. Will be released um, sometime around 2018. Exactly, and and I I would challenge the listeners to figure out which one it was, because it gets very antagonistic. It, it really does. You can sense there's a lot and of I'm tension. Very, and I'm very tension and I'm very tired in it, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and very sick of of having to record. So then when 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 this happened today and when we went to the cinema, I I was just thinking at the start of it. This better be bloody good. And it bloody was. It really was. It's a very, very beautiful film. It's basically, it's uh, at the moment, it's the front runner for the Best Picture Oscar. It and is the Best Picture. And it's going to win. Andrew, having seen how many of the... Uh, keep in mind that the nominees haven't even been announced yet. I don't care. It's better. It's, it's, it's better than Hell or High Water. It's better than Arrival. It's better than Moonlight. It's Correct. better than It's better than Manchester Correct. by the Sea. And you have seen, of those who've seen Arrival... And now La La Land. <laughs> and I can definitely and it say, wins. And I can definitely say that uh, I would actually agree with you that La La Land is a much stronger film than Arrival. And in fact, I would argue that La La Land is the best of the nominees that I have seen to this point. Um, and I would be very happy if it won. It is in some respects a very conventional sort of prestige picture for this time of year. It's a, it's a musical done in a very old Hollywood style. Um, How is that filmed? conventional, though? I, well, I, I mean, for for for, for now, when when for is the last MGM musical, musical. that 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 well, you've seen? Okay, really? when I say conventional, I mean in terms of it's it's very much a, it harkens back to old Hollywood. So I'm thinking more in the style of say Argo, or say uh, The Artist, for example, which was a silent film, which very much sort of appealed to Hollywood's sense of history. Did and that win the Best Picture? Oscar? It did, and so did Argo. Argo Argo's not very. Um... Argo is very much it's a love letter to Hollywood. It's basically about how Hollywood saved. Uh, Everyone, or yeah, it, Iranian it's, hostages. It's not really like um, you. You don't think it's a 
Well, it's not an it's not an homage to an to a, a genre of film that is. No, is it's not an default. homage to something that anybody ever cared for. Take that, Ben Affleck. Um, yeah, Ben Ben Affleck, come at me. But anyway, so talking about La La Land, it's directed by Damien Chazelle, um, who is uh, made a great impression a couple of years ago with Whiplash, uh, which we both seen. And we have. I think we both really liked actually. We did. It is also on the two fifty. It's it's considerably lower, um, and I think in in some respects it's sort of it. It's not a, a conventional escalation from, from Whiplash to La La Land, but you can see definite sort of interests and themes and stuff that sort of as a directory sort of gravitate in that direction. Um, like, for example, it, it's obviously it's a movie heavily influenced by music, but it's also, I think, one of the things that was missed about Whiplash is that it's very much an homage to, it feels like a Hitchcock film in many respects. If Hitchcock ever made a film about Juilliard Music Academy, it would look like Whiplash. And I think that Chazelle has a very clear love of Hollywood that shines through in La La Land. La La Land obviously being L.A., L.A. Uh, but anyway, it is a story about a couple who meet and fall in love. Uh, there's Sebastian, played by Ryan Gosling, and there's Mia, played by Emma Stone. And it's about their sort of their relationship and their attempts to balance their dreams and their hopes uh, and the compromise they have to make along the way. And it sounds from what you're saying, Darren, that that, that you think this movie is derivative. And I, I, I think most movies are derivative, but they're just derivative from something <laughs> which isn't as good as the things that this is being derivative about. I think there, there's... There, there, uh, I, I like the fact that I, I opened by saying this is my favourite of the best picture <laughs> contenders I have seen. And Andrew's you, immediate you, response I, is, I, you don't, I don't love want, this movie. I don't want strong any enough. qualified praise of this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, By the way, we went to uncooked. see this movie. There were not enough people in there. We went to see it at five o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah, it's like... Uh, how it's... many two million people in Dublin <laughs> they can't all watch it at the same time on Friday night um, although you will be pleased to hear I was talking to somebody at the IFI and they were saying that their Friday uh, evening screenings of La La Land are already selling out I, and it should it, it, it really this, should this movie is amazing if, 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 if you're hearing this Go see it. You should be yeah. watching it instead. And the unlikely chance that you're listening to this is <laughs> go, go, stop. <laughs> go and watch that. Yeah, yeah. We might be lo- 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 losing, losing our only listeners, but, but go, go, go. But we're providing a greater good to the. We are. We are. Um, I, I also like the idea that you know somebody listening to this is like, wait, I, I have to choose between listening to a podcast or watching La La Land. Um, <laughs> if, 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 if that's your choice you've made the wrong decision but there's still time there is still time to fix it but no I, I loved it I absolutely loved it and I mean I'm no one saying this on the 12th of January way, way to date the podcast Darren um, of the year but it's the best film I've seen in 2017 well, it's going to be released on the 13th of January yeah well okay 14th but it is it is one of my and it was one of my, I saw it la- late last year as well and it was one of my favourite films of last year as well I think it's brilliant I think it's fantastic I think it's got a wonderful energy I think it's pure joy it's pure bundle joy and I think it's very well executed I do think it's derivative but I don't think being derivative is a cardinal sin like I think if you do something as well as La La Land does it I don't think it's sin but there, there was something sort of hanging there where you were saying that I was, no, I was suggesting no, it was... like is it, not only is it not a cardinal sin, I don't think it's a sin. Oh. I, I, I think, I think it's being being derivative is is an accusation that you can um, use very a, quickly. To... Well, no, 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 you can accuse something of being of being derivative when you're leveling that accusation in the context of them having done something wrong, as as okay. as, as as in the, their manner. Well, it's of, a... of 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 taking something and borrowing it. 
Well, this is this is interesting. I had this conversation with another film critic, and it may have actually been you, Andrew. But it was we're talking. I'm about not how... a film critic, so it definitely <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> but it. Um, I was thinking more in terms of um, how the word "contrived" is used these days as a bludgeon uh, to beat films. We 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 did have that conversation. Yes. Um, so I, I was kind of thinking. I think derivative is something that is used in a similar fashion. In that, I'm not convinced that there are there is a unique and individual idea under the sun, and certainly not enough that you can expect something unique that you've never seen before delivered on a monthly basis. <laughs> and by the way, it's either derivative or on gay, gay, gamer by the maker of um, Crank 2. Um, so, um, I like, like take your poison. This may, this may be the only <laughs> discussion of La La Land that ever cites gamer as the contrasting alternative. You can have La La Land or you can have gamer. Um, I'd, I'd have both. I, I feel like there's room for a crossover movie. Much like listening to this podcast or watching La La Land, I think there's a clear right choice there. Um, but uh, no, we both loved it. We would both recommend going to see it. You should all go and see it. Um, it's going to do very well. It did very well at the Golden Globes. It won seven Golden Globes, which is more Golden Globes than any How many film. was it nominated for? How I... many can you be nominated for? <laughs> is, this, is this what Andrew deems like the adequate compensation or acknowledgement of, um, of La La Land's brilliance? Um, well, is it being nominated for all the Golden some, Globes? Something has to make up for the for the amount of people who weren't sitting in the, in in the, the cinema as cinema. we were watching it. I Wait. hope they were at another cinema and that's the reason why they couldn't make it. Well, you know that it was... It won all seven of its nominations. So it won all nomi- seven? It was nominated for seven nominations and it won all seven. Ah. Now, to be fair, there's a bit of a qualifier here. Like, most people would say that that would make it a sure Well, there, there, is, there is a qualifier in the, the Golden Nobody Globes. Nobody cares about the Golden Globes. Yeah. That's the first qualifier. You hear that, Meryl Streep? Nobody cares. Well, Donald Trump cares enough to tweet about it. Donald, um, Com- <laughs> Donald Trump cares enough. Like, what, 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 what does he... N- here, here's a challenge. See, 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 see if any of our listeners can... Offend Donald Don't. Trump enough for him not to tweet about it. But the well, I was going to say the second qualification after them being Golden Globe nominations was they're in the category of comedy or musical, which means that it wasn't competing directly against its its biggest contender for the Oscars. So stuff like Moonlight or stuff like Manchester by the Sea. But I still would say if I'm a betting man, I would put money on La La Land to to take the the big prize. Are you a betting man? No. So we would both recommend going to see it. Yeah. Um, and then in that case, then let's talk. Was, the... was that clear enough? <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't think that was. I recommended going to see it. And your immediate response was that I was not enthusiastic enough. Um, I think Andrew, it was actually really great watching watching La La Land with Made Andrew. Made me feel like I wasn't having an ear infection. Uh, which is, is remarkable because he's been in agony whenever I've been talking. And also when I was singing during the... <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> go ahead sitting next to Andrew while watching La La Land was a treat of itself because I'd seen it before but every once in a while when something affectionate something deeply touching would happen on screen so like a gesture of affection from Sebastian towards Mia or Mia sort of having a moment of epiphany or, or Emma Stone's eyes lighting up all I would hear was this faint sound in my own uninfected right ear Aww. It really was. I felt I felt like sitting next to it, I was almost experiencing it the first time vicariously through you being there. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that I gave you that vicarious trill, you sick twist. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's how I live. But anyway, let's let's sort of delve into the into the spoilers. Let's sort of, sort of talk in a bit more depth about it now. To be fair, 
I don't think it's a film that can really be spoiled, but you should really go and see it before you listen to the rest of the podcast where we talk. Yeah, about yeah. The, 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 don't 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 go out and see it because we're going to spoil it. Go out and see uh, it because it's really good. Yeah, um, I think we've made that point succinctly enough. <laughs> uh, By the way, <laughs> it's really good. It is really good. All right. On that note, I'm going to do a little musical number that will take us across the bridge. Are you going to sing it? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> All right. So, Andrew, what was La La Land about for you? Because you, you, you seem to like it really. I, I loved it. But you seemed to. You came out of the cinema practically dancing. Yeah. Well, like we came out of the cinema practically we did. dancing. We did a long fairness. choreographed dance number that in no way looked as good as what Emma Somebody Stone. Somebody saw us and wanted to murder us immediately. It may have been me while I was also partaking in the dance move. Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, they got nothing on us. No, no. Except uh, they do, because this movie is great. <laughs> but what was that? La La so what was what, it you what loved it, about okay. La La Land? What was it that really All grabbed right. you? Like, what was it? Like, you talk about, like, you seem really enthused by it. So tell me what you loved about it. Well, uh, uh, so many things. I, I love The Sound of Music. And I haven't seen that many MGM musicals. I sometimes, I, I, I at one point went down a um, kind of black hole of of watching these clips from MGM musicals on YouTube, like one after the other. And they're they're just so good. They really are. And it's, it's, something, yeah. it's something that I think is, is forgotten. Like, I feel like it's kind of like the, like the Western has come back in a big way in the past couple of years. So you've had like attempts like um, The Revenant and you've had attempts like Bone Tomahawk and even the Quentin Tarantino films. But I feel like the musical has been largely underloved. Now, there are exceptions. Like every once in a while you'd get a musical episode of something like, They're say, always Buffy. rubbish, by the way. What are always rubbish? The, the, um, the exceptions. What exceptions? Um, so... Let let me. This this is some. This is a point that I want to make about La La Land as a musical. Okay, lay it on me. There are actual singers and musicians in La La Land, as opposed to something like, for example, Mamma Mia, where they say we're going to have a musical. It's going to be great. Who are you going to get to sing these songs? Pierce Brosnan. Listen, this. <laughs> yeah. How did you guess <laughs> Pierce Brosnan? But you know who else? Um, Colin Firth Colin Firth exactly we're on to a winner and hold on can, can we get that Swedish guy <laughs> who Meryl Streep take that stun Sarsgaard um, obviously he made quite an impression on Andrew obviously so what, um, Amanda what? Seyfried as well yeah. that, that, who's that, one of those actors who's never who's not Swedish who is not Swedish yes she is one of the actors who is not Swedish she's also one of those actors who never gets the Jew that she deserves she's a, she's a wonderful performer but I think she has a terrible she occasionally picks terrible roles like she was in Ted 2 for example remember Ted 2 nobody should remember Ted 2 I haven't seen it she was like she was the pot smoking uh, Ivy League educated lawyer I saw I saw yeah I knew that she was in that movie and yeah yeah I uh, anyway this this movie thankfully isn't one of Amanda Seyfried's uh, but you're talking uh, about musicians right so you're talking about having actual musicians involved in the film yeah and having people who can actually sing now having said that I don't think our two leads um, are, are, are that great at singing no but they they were great. But what you did have was other people in the movie who could sing, who were singing. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the opening number is beautifully choreographed. Like it's, it's, oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful, it's shot in the style of a one take. I suspect there is a couple of disguise cuts in there where the camera whirls or whatever. But it's it's a long take through a, a Los Angeles traffic jam where instead of trying to murder each other on the freeway, a bunch of Los Angelites <laughs> sing, uh, what is it? It's, it's Another Day in the Sun. Uh, where they end up tapping on top of car roofs and opening lorry doors to discover bands inside, singing this sort of uh, token, um, this sort of gesture about Los Angeles as the city of dreams, you know, moving up from Tulsa, meeting at the Greyhound station, waiting to find the right audition to express yourself and being seen on the silver screen by people from your small town who thought they'd forgotten you. Like, it, it is this, and it's it's wonderfully performed. Uh, the singing is great. The dancing is great. Yeah, and let, let, let's, let's, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess, let's, let's talk about that. The, 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 the way, the way the movie begins. Because yeah. there, there's, there's old timey opening credits. There is indeed. And there's also, and then, it's shot in Cinemascope. Yeah. And it, it, it's beautifully done because the screen widens. It goes from the old 4.3 aspect ratio, where you see shot in Nemaska. Uh, and then widens out so you can actually see, oh, no, wait, that's spelled in that cinemascope. And it is it is sort of stylized in that way in that the colors are very rich and deep. Like, there's lots of really wonderful blues and reds and greens throughout the film. So, for example, there's that great shot from the trailer of... Uh, and it's just it's a glass window with a little bit of red neon around it. But it has this sort of angelic glow around Emma Stone, for example. Or even the shot of Ryan Gosling standing in front of green curtains. Or when Emma Stone is doing her auditions, where you get the audition montage, where she's standing in front of a series of differently colored walls quickly intercut with one another. There's like, there's so much verb and energy and brightness to the film that you don't really see that often anymore. It's almost like, it reminded me almost of the, you know, the, the Truman Show, like the, uh, the, the, yeah. co- the use of color in that sort of fake setting. It's that idea of, of Hollywood as a sort of a magical place. Like the idea that if you're going to do a film where people are going to dance and sing spontaneously, then you might as well imagine that it unfolds in a world that is seeming with color, that is more heavily saturated and that is stronger and more vibrant. And it makes perfect sense when they when later in the movie, um, in uh, pretty much at the end when yeah. they they actually enter a, um, a sort an of a MGM musical. Uh, musical. Yeah, in the style of an American in Paris. In fact, there's even a sequence where they dance through Paris, which is yeah. very clearly a homage. I mean, and he was inspired. Ch- uh, Chazelle was inspired by a 1927 silent film called Seventh Heaven, I believe, in terms of constructing that fantastical ending sequence you know the moment of the two characters sharing the life they might have had uh which it, it's just it's beautiful like it, right. yeah I, I i really love that and the, the 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 um you're 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 probably wondering like what why why this movie spoke to, to 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 me and i and i don't really know why um but but like i'll i'll, I'll talk about why i like this okay sorry I, it's it's spoke it spoke to me for some stuff that we'll probably we'll talk, talk about a little bit about i think it's portrayal of relations like i think like when people talk about it being an homage to, to classic musicals i think it is in many ways but i think it's also um it's also in some ways a very honest and very emotionally raw film like i think it's candid about the way that relationships work and how the people relate to one another in a way that the films that it's emulating were not necessarily um, and we'll probably delve into that when we talk about the relationship between, say, me and Sebastian and stuff like that. But just in terms of style, it's got style to spare. It's got there's a number of like incredible shots. Just watching it as a film, where I'm wondering how Chazelle got those shots. Like there's the the great sequence of like the guy who flips and bounces off one car top from another car top in part of a long take, and you're like, if 
the camera had been out of place or if he'd missed his mark there's you would have been back to, to square one to shoot that or even the bit where she's walking slowly through the party and it shoots back to life with the guy dancing like a corkscrew jumping like a corkscrew off a, a, an upper ledge into the water with the camera following him down into the water it's, it's just there's a number of like it, it's a very old-fashioned film, but it's incredibly technically well-constructed. Like well, I mean, the it, that that sort of thing doesn't just happen by accident. I mean, yeah, there, I, there are four to five people who died making this movie when jumping over cars uh, alone. And then, and then there is... Uh, one of us has researched this podcast a little bit. Um, I'm sad to admit it wasn't me this week. So we're going to take what Andrew says entirely at face value. Yeah. That's not to mention the the scores of people who died trying to jump into that pool. Yeah. Um, were, uh, yeah. By, it, by the time they got to using was, that final take, it was more rough, stunt person rough, than water. Rough, tough stuff. I mean, it'll it'll win the Oscar just what? just because of the amount of deaths well, that were caused. It's by. it's like the Revenant. It's you know that yeah. you suffer for your art. It's exactly. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love. I mean, they, people think this is a light movie. It's yeah. not. Oh well, I I also have very strong opinions about that, which we'll talk about in a moment. But it does have like. I, do people think this is a light? movie? People do think this is a light movie. Like the general impression of La La Land, and, and to be fair, I would describe it as as very as a very joyful and optimistic movie. But I think there's also something a little harsher, sort of nestled, a little bit of darkness, a little bit of cynicism or world weariness, sort of tucked away between the really you say catchy that like shoutings. it's a bad thing. I I know. What are the odds? I feel like you're going to say something that's that's less than effusive about this movie <laughs> and andrew could not possibly have that no actually i really like the, the little kernel thing and we'll, we'll we'll talk about this then like for all that it is it emulates the style and tone of a classic mgm musical it is a very modern or a more modern movie in terms of the relationship that it, dep- it depicts between maya and sebastian so in many ways like the relationship between Maya and Sebastian is established as this sort of conventional romance it's a meet cute or it has a number of failed meet cutes do we, in... do we want to talk about the failed meet cutes we do because they're quite adorable aren't they yeah we'll we'll, 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 we'll do a chart yeah of <laughs> right. which, which, was, which was the most or least cute um, what would you uh, consider to be the cutest meet that they had actually? the cutest meet um, straight, straight off I was going to say um, that <laughs> Right. I've got the giggles today. I, I well, this I'm... is how much La La Land sort of affected exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. Okay, I don't matter. Well, I've lost my mind. But but um, the 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 one that I thought of first, which is the one I'm going to say, is when Sebastian is playing in an eighties, uh, an eighties band. band with his sort of red leather jacket and stuff like that. So it's it's basically at this stage uh, they both met and sort of feuded a couple of times. So the first time they meet is at the end of that traffic jam sequence where she is reading lines and she forgets to pull out and he honks past her. She gives him the finger and he yells at her. Uh, then again, uh, they bump into one another randomly while he doesn't, she... no, he, he doesn't yell at her. Does he not yell at her? I thought he he's really aggressive. Oh, yeah, he's really aggressive. Wordlessly aggressive. Wordlessly aggressive. Stoically aggressive. aggressive. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to be aggressive, people, be... do it Do it, Do it. it the way Ryan Gosling does it. By honking the horn. In fact, most of Sebastian's emotional Well, I don't agree with his, his, his yes. honking of the horn, but in general. Okay. But, but specifically, Sebastian honking the horn, that's fine. Because Sebastian's in this movie, and this movie is great. I won't have anyone say anything bad about it. Okay. But anyway, after that encounter on the freeway, she uh, is wandering home from a party and she wanders into a, a nightclub where he is performing music and he is fired. And she tries to tell him how much his music affected her and he proceeds to just brush past her. He gives her the shoulder. 
which is is remarkably cold. And so when she bumps into him, for she the doesn't third... even start to tell him how no. much this music had affected her. Well, she well, I think that's where the conversation's going. I just heard you play and and then boom, shoulder. But and then basically she happens to bump into him at another party where he's playing in an eighties band, and he's uh, it's it's wonderfully humiliating. Uh, because I and I love this the sequence because the eighties cover band vocalist is very into it. Very. Very into it. He's he's bouncing and he's bounding and he's shooting like he's pointing to the keyboard player. He's pointing to Sebastian. And Sebastian and this is what I like about Sebastian, like when he goes along with things, he goes along with them just enough that he's unlikely to be like he's testing the waters to see how little he can acknowledge his bosses without being fired. Like yeah. he sort of skirts that line throughout the film where he's like, How much sass can I give while still collecting a paycheck at the end of this? Seems to be Sebastian's default mode. So he he gestures with his little fist or he nods with his head while looking completely defeated and humiliated and not enjoying the sequence at all. I'm sure it's easy to play that, though. You just have to be like uh, (laughs) Ryan Gosling, the actor, playing Sebastian, the character. Needs to be like, how much how much of this am I going to feel embarrassed doing? (laughs) Yeah. How much of this is Andrew going to remember when he leaves the cinema? Like, when Andrew reflects on Ryan Gosling's career, how much of it's going to come down to that moment of him playing Iran? Ryan Gosling, like, you, you, were, you were already gold. You, really, and now you're platinum. You're a diamond, Ryan he, Gosling. He really is. A diamond in a big... Um, I, don't, I don't even like diamonds that much. I feel like... I, that, like you're undervaluing him? Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 is there something better than, than a diamond? And by the way, you're not a diamond in the rough. You're a diamond in a big heap of diamonds. Like, like are, are the diamonds like the other Ryans, like Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Seacrest? Well, not a diamond. Oh, okay. Ryan Seacrest. I don't, I don't know how many Ryans. I, I, I panicked. I had to name a bunch of Ryans and I panicked. I had Reynolds and I had Gosling. I needed a third one. Reynolds. But actually, when you're talking about like Ryan Gosling being golden, it's really strange. He's one of the few young actors that my mother likes in that way. My mother has always had no crush- way, when you when you say in that way, in that way, in that like she appreciates his performance as an individual, but she also maybe has a bit of a crush on him, which is is odd because mums is it odd? Well, it's it's because her crushes have always generally been like age rel- age relatives. So it's like she's always had a crush on Kevin Costner, and she still has a crush on Kevin Costner, which I can't quite explain. I don't I don't see it. But you don't, co- you don't, you don't see, you don't see it. The, no, Kevin the, Costner, the no. bodyguard, no, the, the postman, <laughs> Waterworld dances with wolves. Yeah, Waterworld, Mr. Brooks. Waterworld. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I'm afraid. But um, this is Mr. Kevin Costner we're talking about here. But John F. Kennedy. <laughs> He never played John F. Kennedy. No, no, he didn't. He appeared, he appeared in JFK. He did also, and, and he also and in appeared 13 in Thirteen Days. days. Yeah, Thirteen. So days. let's just call him JFK. Um, okay. And here, be, here be at be the, done with it. Here at the two fifty, we adhere to the most rigorous standards of fact verification. But no, my mom, my mom, a couple of months ago, just passed comment on her fondness for Ryan. And I'm, I'm not like mom is not aware of current films. Like mom sort of comes. We we when she sees modern films, it's because I recommend them or I pick them. But it's like, ooh, Ryan Gosling, and I'm like, wow, you know who Ryan Gosling is, and you like him in that way. It's very weird. It's like discovering my father also has a soft spot for Taylor Swift. I was I was surprised in an, uh, uh, at some point in the mid nineties where where my mother said uh, was talking about somebody being good looking, 
said like Keanu Reeves and I was like who's Keanu Reeves because <laughs> I, I didn't know who he yeah, was yeah how did that how did that yeah. how did how did you find out about this thing um how is my mother how does my mother kind of know more about or more in tune with popular culture than I am also because at that point like Gosling was coming out of doing like he did Drive and he did Only God Forgives which are two very sort of raw indie films with lots of violence and bloodshed, which are things that my mom is not a big fan of in cinema. So it was sort of, it was strange for me. She's never seen The Notebook, for example, but it was just strange that she's like, yeah, Ryan Gosling, he's the one. So, uh, so it, it based upon... That, I have no idea. Uh, she, she liked him in Drive. One? She oh, really yeah? liked him in Drive, which I can't and explain. She, who, who suggested she watch that? I did, because I recommend good movies. Bad Son. Great, great. What, do you not like Drive? No, Drive is great, but she just said that she doesn't like those kinds of movies. I know, but I, I picked wisely, obviously. In spite of yourself. <laughs> Touche, the odds were eventually in my favour. But um, yeah, no, Gosling's great. And he's actually, he's had a very good run of films recently. So he was in like The Nice Guys this year, for example. And I think he's really good as Sebastian. Um, like he has... He has oh, I'd this... like to see The Nice Guys. Well, they're nice guys. Nice guys? The Nice Guys. The Nice Guys? Yeah, um, himself and, and Russell Crowe. But I think Is he's... it good? Tell the listeners. It's very good. It was my 10th favourite film of last year. Excellent. Uh, which is very good. I wholeheartedly recommend it. Good old Shane Black fun. Better than Deadpool. <laughs> yes, better than Deadpool. Which, by the way, it's going Take to... that IMDb 250. Which is going to sound hilarious when Deadpool wins Best Picture and Ryan Reynolds wins Best Actor. No. No. No, we've we've already we've already told people to put money on on la la la. I know, but there's um, to win everything. There's no, not everything, not every, just best picture. But um, yeah, there's a there's a put an accumulator. There's a there's a guerrilla campaign for Deadpool and for Ryan Reynolds to get him a nomination. Against all odds, and do you know what would be brilliant all if right. the morning the nominations were announced? La How la la. Spelling gorilla. The, the, are, 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 like like the warfare, like the warfare. So the, these 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 are people, and 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 not 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 primates, not primates. No, but um, and and they these people think that that Deadpool deserves deserves to, an Oscar, and yeah, and I think and, and not only that, but, but that, that Ryan, Ryan Reynolds deserves to be not nominated, but to win. To win. Well, keep in mind he plays a terminal cancer patient. Oh, that is true. Yeah, it's it's, it's a pretty much an Oscar bait movie. He's also been he's also been half jokingly campaigning himself as well. Um, but uh, I would love it if on the morning the Oscar nominations were announced, La La Land was missing and Deadpool made it, and I would just I would love to be in your presence when that happened. Because I imagine you would literally explode. And then you would be covered in little bits of Andrew. Viscera. Viscera. It's like, I never thought that would actually happen. But I think Gosling is very good. To get back to the movie we're actually talking about, I think Gosling is very good as Sebastian. Um, I think he sort of, he has a sort of a slightly exaggerated manner that works very well in the world of the film. Like, for example, everything Sebastian does is sort of highly dramatised. There's lots of, lots of hand gestures and lots of angsty complaining about the universe and lots of, like, over-the-top sort of melancholy and stuff. Like, Sebastian is an artiste. And he wants everybody to know about it. And he seems like the guy who would be really, really irritating to know in real life. No. Like, really? You think so? You think it so? sounds too much like a criticism. So. <laughs> of the film. So I kind of... <laughs> no, yeah. It, and and I, I think the, it's... 
Like, Sebastian it, comes perilously close to being a hipster with an eight track in his car. Um, perilously close. He come one hundred percent totally is. Okay. Um, the the that that's 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 it's 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 like at some point in the movie, uh, Emma Roberts' character. Emma Roberts, Emma Stone. I'm I'm sticking with Emma Roberts. No. <laughs> This is what happens when we let Andrew do the research. (laughs) In the movie, Emma Thompson does um, a a production of her play. Yes. And she says, it's not too nostalgic, is it? And, And Ryan Reynolds says, oh, that's the point. It's like, do you think people will like it? And he's like, F them. Yeah, except he doesn't say F them. No, because he's on a PG rated podcast. Oh, we, it, the movie is actually PG rated in Ireland, despite we, the fact we, he gets an F bomb. We so we could we could get in one F bomb on on this one and not have an explicit rating either. I don't conceivably. think conceivably. I wouldn't try it, Andrew. No, don't don't try it. Back away. But 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 like if so long as we use it judiciously, <laughs> it with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, I, I feel like if if we if we maybe put it into. The theme tune <laughs> for each episode, and that's it. And we get away with it. Uh, but no, I like. I, I think... I'd, I'd like anyone who who's a fan of ours to to tweet in and tell us where where they want the f bomb to be dropped. Strategically in each, positioned in each, in each episode. Ideally, it should be use like... the hashtag. Oh no, wait, we can't say that on the. You tell us what the hashtag is, but make sure to put the f bomb in it. Thank you very much. But no, so I mean, I and so talk about Sebastian, right? So we're talking about he's one of the criticisms of, and actually, I'm quite interested in seeing you tackle this because you you're a man who will not brook any criticism of that land. May 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 I may I get back to my your observation my, about yeah. yeah. So uh, when Emma Rogers says uh, to Ryan Hall, when Mia says to Sebastian. It's very nostalgic. And he says... That's why it's so great. Yeah, he says, that's the point. Yeah. And she says, nobody's going to like it. And he says... That's that's kind of like what, 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 what... I feel like a lot of the movie was like that. His hipsterism was, 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 was the same thing. That's the whole point. I don't know how somebody... Could could look cri- could look at a movie and criticize it by saying, "Ryan's a bit of a hipster in this, isn't he? Don't like hipsters. Therefore, I, don't I, I don't like, like this movie." Or, Sebastian's rather serious about everything. I don't like that in a person. Therefore, I don't like the movie. No, the criticism of Sebastian, and this is kind of because this is what happens every year when you have the Best Picture uh, nominees, is you have the leader of the pack emerge and then people start sniping at it. Um, and occasionally that sniping works, as we discovered. Come. There's a strategic F-bomb. But um, one of the things that, so it happened successfully with Birth of a Nation, which saw its Oscar windfall out of itself for very justifiable reasons. With La La Land, there's been a, an understandable internet backlash around Sebastian's narrative as a man who saves jazz. Like, it's it's the idea that he's a white saviour, like, that the fate of jazz lies in the hands of a white guy, Sebastian, who at one stage even has to save um, jazz from his, his, his bandmate, um, played by John Legend, who has to, who's trying to pervert the form, who's trying to corrupt it. And Sebastian is presented as this, this sort of saviour and idealist and sort of uh, standard bearer. Uh, for a musical form that's traditionally been been black. Well, hold on. 
has traditionally been black and has traditionally been Jewish. People online, how much do they know about jazz and how much are they um, deciding that this character, Sebastian, the movie in general and the jazz uh, gods have, 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 have appropriated something that they were never meant to appropriate from some people who didn't ask for it to be appropriated from. I'm not sure I follow. I d- what, what, what exactly is, is the... The accusation is being made that Sebastian, because he is white... Because he is white and because the, the way the film presents him as, as saving it or preserving jazz from an uncaring African-American artist is in some ways an insensitive portrayal of an art okay. form that is a long and historical association with African-Americans. Sorry, and have these people seen the movie? I don't know. You can never tell with the Twitter, with with the Twitter or the internet yeah. background. Because okay, they're they're talking about John Legend's character. Yeah, John Legend's go. People who've seen the movie will know this already. Yeah, but let's restate it for the people on Twitter <laughs> who haven't, who are still outraged yeah. by it. John John Legend says to to um, yeah. So John Legend's character is called Keith, I believe. Keith, we'll yeah, yeah. Check. Keith. So Keith says to Sebastian at one point, you love those old jazz musicians. They were revolutionaries. How are you going to be a revolutionary if you're such a traditionalist? It's one of the points in the movie where they make something as straightforward and, and explicit as... As they can possibly be. Like, it, 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 it's it's crazy that people watch the movie. And by the way, that line is in the trailer. Yeah. That they that they watched that movie and didn't get that. Well, it's 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 that he thinks... Can I... Can I... He's, um, he's saving jazz and he's not. He's just being nostalgic and that's the point. What, the, the person who is actually saving jazz is, is Keith's character. Can I just... Um... Can I just play devil's advocate? Because I have my own response to that. And I agree with you. At your peril. I know. Andrew looks like he's about to strangle me. Um, and not just because of the, the terrible ear pain that I'm causing him. But I would argue that, or that they would argue that, that the, the response to that would be that, like, Sebastian is, is portrayed as somebody who is, sorry, that, sorry, Sebastian is presented as the saviour of true jazz, whereas John Legend's Keith is... is portrayed as, as something of a cynical operator who is who is removed who's very cold and detached when but uh yeah so i think the argument is that uh keith's band which is the messengers which sebastian plays with are performing a sort of a, a sanitized and a sort of a sterile and detached version of music that's derived from jazz but has no soul and in contrast it's sebastian who's keeping it alive with sort of with live musicians playing with a minimum amount of electronica a minimum amount of distractions in an organic sort of fashion. Like he's preserving the legacy of it rather than distorting it for his own cynical financial gain, which I think is a sense of what you get with Keith. Uh, or at least that's what I think the, the devil's advocate argument is here. I'm going to make my own in a second. But I just want to hear what you sort of say to that, what your response to that is. Andrew, defender of the film. Yeah. Um, part, part of Sebastian's character is, is that he's a jazz purist. So... The extent to which he is a jazz purist in the fictional band, The Messengers, is a part of the sense to which he's a jazz 
purist. When it comes to defending jazz, it's made very clear in the movie that um, departures from the canon, the canon of of jazz, or take are any attempts to take it in in uh, new directions um, are not anatomized to jazz. That rather they're integral. Yeah, uh, to they're just like, opposed like, by by Sebastian as, yeah. as a character trait. Like li- li- listen to um, "Bitches Brew" by Miles Davis. Is that a jazz album? Yes, yes, it is a jazz album. Of course, it is. It's inspired by Jimi Hendrix, and it's certainly a very new departure for those who would be who would be familiar with Miles Davis's. Um, work with John Coltrane or, or only a certain by the way I'm, not, I'm no expert on jazz but the point the point is is the same point that John Legend makes is that those who are revolutionary in jazz were those who brought new things and weren't exactly. afraid to, to meld it and to and have those, it evolve yeah. those are the greats yeah Any, uh, anyone anyone can 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 play jazz once somebody else has done it better like it, 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 so, so, so all all Sebastian really is 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 a jazz nerd. If uh, yeah. if if all he can do is like a is, jazz hipster, yeah, yeah, is 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 um just reproduce um music he's heard the, before. And... Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 by that I mean reproduce the um the style the structure yeah, yeah the style. and the and, 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 and the beats and, and, and keep and it in a conventional style. obviously if he's if he's if he's even if he's playing traditional jazz he's doing it in an improvisational manner yeah but what he's not improvising is is the actual direction that yeah, the art form is taking yeah, yeah. And I, I would sort of agree with that. And I would also make the argument, this is when, remember we were talking earlier about the movie having a darker core than like the descriptions of it suggest. And also it, it's, it's like bright, colorful aesthetic. Like I think that when we reach the end of the film, right, Sebastian eventually realizes his dream of opening a club. And I think it's, it's never stated whether or not it, he opens it in the location that he wanted in the Van Beek. Uh, but it's sort of implied. It I looks like it might. He okay. does though. Okay. Because the, the Van Beek was on the ground floor and, and oh, his he, is a basement. His is a basement. And, yeah. So even then there's a sense that his, his, his vision, like his, his realisation of his dream is imperfect. And like when he's talking with, with Keith, Keith is talking about how Sebastian ends up playing. He's playing in the Lighthouse Cafe at the moment, but he's playing to an audience of 95-year-old people, which is a bit of an exaggeration, but not too much. But even at the end, when... He successfully opens his club, which is successfully, which is called Shed, which has neon lights, which has a nice piano, very expensive, has well, he lots. He didn't want to call it Sebs. No, he wanted to call it Chicken on a Stick. But the argument is that, or what, what I go, sort of got looking at it was that Sebastian has not really succeeded in the same way that, say, Mia has. Like Mia has gone out into the world and she's found a way to live her dreams, and she's she's kind of become an artist. She sort of got. She's got recognition, obviously, but she's got the freedom that comes with that. Whereas Sebastian has lived his dream without compromising. He's he's never he's never done the thing that Keith does. He's stopped touring. He's got his little grotto. He managed to open his bar, but it's in a basement. And if you look at the oh, age... It's a really cool basement. It is a really cool basement. But if you look at the people around him, like Mia is the youngest person there. Yeah, but Mia, like, how, 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 how young is, is Emma Stone? 
fair point. She's twenty something, but I mean, she, she, yeah, she. And by the way, where I, I feel like we're expected to think that Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are the same age in this movie. It's just, it, it's a kind of an example of of. It's it's that that double standard that exists in Hollywood about how we treat male and female actors uh, differently. Like, I mean, we were watching before this, we saw a trailer for the movie Lion, starring Dev Patel, and we were both sort of shocked. That Nicole Kidman had sort of been cast in the role of the mother figure. There is. There's a sense that the, that middle ground doesn't exist for female actors. That you are either young or you are old. That you are either sort of Emma Stone or Meryl Streep. That there's not the range of sort of roles where you can be playing a romantic lead at, at you know, sort of the age of Ryan Gosling or even the age of George Clooney, God forbid. Yeah. Which I, I think is, yeah, it is a double sound that exists. And unfortunately, it, there's maybe a little bit of that in La La Land. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that when they go to Sebastian's club, when they go to Seb's, like, it looks cool. It's very stylish. It's what it's what Sebastian wants. But it's also not something that is necessarily keeping jazz alive. Like, it's not something that's spreading it. It's not something that's sort of getting it out there or introducing new people to it. It's doing what Keith criticised Seb for doing which is playing for the same old audience and letting the art form get older and letting the art form wither. Uh, and I think that, like, for but all that Lala... That's, that's what Seb wanted to do. It is what Seb wanted... To, well, I think, no, Seb... Seb would love for young people to listen to jazz. Like, he's evangelical about it. Like, his first thing when he starts, when he starts to show romantic interest in, in Mia is to try and convince her to like jazz. Like, if Sebastian had his way, everybody would listen to jazz all the time. But he's not willing to make the compromises that it takes to, to get out there. He's not willing to do the things that, that Mia... And this is the big contrast, I think, between Sebastian and, and Mia, is that Sebastian, when he compromises, he compromises in a way that completely empties him, that, that sort of devastates him. So when he performs well, with Keith, no, he, he's he, hollow. He's, he makes that compromise because he thinks it's what she wants. Yeah, He's not compromising his jazz in order to be liked no he's not he's 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 compromising and and by the way i feel like um uh, at some points when 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 he's in the messengers he actually kind of enjoys um uh, the 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 success and and the music okay because i i like I, I don't think the messengers are actually that bad especially his like to some extent there were there were bits and pieces where they make it out to be kind of like surprising how sort of cynical um, and how yeah it 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 is and i i think well i mean there's obviously the moment in the rehearsal where he seems to he's almost getting into it and then keith turns on the electric sort of synthesizer backing beat and sebastian sort of does a double take at that and then it takes him a couple of seconds to start playing the piano and he only does a couple of beats yeah and then they have a little conversation afterwards where sebastian's like i know it's different which yeah. is like a euphemism for... But I think Sebastian's already on board in spite of his misgivings. Oh, okay. And the reason, the reason he is is because he has a sense of status anxiety with his partner and the conversation that... He overhears his, with her mother. Yeah, that, that she has with her... With her. And th- this will be familiar to, to, to anyone, I guess, who's been in their late 20s or early 30s and being convinced that they were going to follow their dream which a lot of people of our generation Darren are determined to do yeah and then there comes the question it's like oh uh, um is that is that is that well paid 
how 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 are you doing and then you have to kind of justify yourself to another human being yeah and and at some point per per perhaps give up and decide that actually i'm just going to get a job and 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 grow up and be and, what's expected of me yeah yeah well like and the reason I why i like this me. movie is that it has a very balanced i think uh, message about reaching for your uh, dreams and um, never giving up. What? Be, 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 because there's plenty of giving up yeah. in, 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 in this movie. Um, and there's also, there's also a, a, the, the, the message that you can have what you want. It might make you happy and, and it might not. And even, even, if it, even if it's what you want and it does make you happy, you'll still have regrets. Okay. Um, which, 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 which I think is a very grow profa- up as prof- mature. Yeah. Pro- yeah, and I think it's a very profound message, and I think it's a lot of people forget that, um, and it's something that I believe in is that it's not important what decision you make; it's important that you've made a decision. Okay. I I think that there's there's something more cynical there in the difference that the movie suggests between Mia and between Sebastian. Like I think that Sebastian's compromise or or sort of attitude is is very much all all or nothing in that he's not willing to meet anybody halfway when he when he does have to compromise in order to provide for himself he compromises completely like that's, a, that's satirical yeah his 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 refusal to compromise is lampooned in this movie oh no it is yeah no i, I agree entirely yeah I, and i think that's what i said when i think at the end there's a there's a marked difference like there's a there's very much a sadness to that image of him playing the piano that goes beyond the wistfulness of what might have been that he shares with mia because mia has that same sense of what might have been but she also seems in a much happier place in general like when he's sitting down to play the piano with his five o'clock shadow and his hair disheveled he looks almost i don't know hold on wait 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 how was he before he saw mia okay fair point yeah he 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 was full of the joys of spring, or whatever. No, it was summer. Um, it was he, it was winter five years later. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was full of the joys. All right. And um and but I, okay. it, it, that um what puts a um dampener dampener on 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 that and not in a not in a, not. not 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 in a bad way, just in a kind of a wistful and nostalgic way. Okay, is uh, is seeing Mia. He is in his element, I... and, and and it's apparent to to Mia watching um, him. Okay, I don't know. I I still think there's a, a marked difference between obviously where the two of them end up, but I think there's a point being made in that Mia is is much more level headed and much more rational in in what she's doing. Like she's she's the one who. Like she encourages, she encourages him to compromise. Like with the chicken on a stick and Sebs, that that comes from her. He's he's initially refuses to call the the restaurant Sebs, instead insisting on calling a chicken on a stick, and he's adamant on the point. And she she suggests no no people will never go and see it, people will never go to it if you call a chicken on a stick. And he's like no you have to call a chicken on a stick because it has to be faithful because it has to reference bird. What the. The point you're making is that she's more realistic than he is. Yes, and that she gets perhaps further, or she she accomplishes more as a result of that. She accomplishes more. I like, mean, to like, to like to, to a large extent, um, 
and it, and it's reciprocal by the way but she yeah. um her breakthrough is accomplished first of all by her one woman play yeah that she that she writes directs and produces herself yeah secondly um as a result and it's heavily employed finances of, as well yeah yeah as a result of Oh yeah, she. I've, she I've finances. Really, I, I made, believe she does. It's yeah. made very clear that he's yeah. not supporting her. Yeah. So as a result of 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 that, she 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 gets an an audition call. Yeah. Um. That 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 she doesn't want to 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 attend. She only gets that. She 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 doesn't get that by being realistic, and um and uh being grown up. She 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 gets that by by being infected with the enthusiasm that um, Sebastian still has, which yeah. which 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 and which she combines though with with level headedness in a way that I don't think he does. Like I, I don't think he is ever as level headed. Why should as he? Be- he does. He doesn't. And he I... he doesn't want anything other than there. There's 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 at some point. Um, I I understand what you I I think what you're trying to get at, but there's 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 a point where his sister, who we never meet again, I don't think. We do. We she's she's the one who gets married over the course of the film. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. They're the I, couple I, that they share drinks with during the montage where they're running around Los Angeles. Oh, that's who that is. That's who that is. Yeah. Well, oh, I, I was wondering who are these people. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem to have many friends. Uh, Sebastian really doesn't seem to have that many friends. But yeah, no, that's why that's why he performs at her wedding, for example. And that's, I was wondering how 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 do we yeah that's why he gets how the do we Christmas never card. see his sister again? Apparently, we see her three times. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's that's why he gets the Christmas card from them. Uh, for oh, four example. times. Yeah. I, and again, I was wondering who are these people, <laughs> and then why are they involved in Sebastian's life, and why have they not been set up before? Yeah, and when are we going to get to see his sister again? <laughs> yeah. No, not those people. His yeah. sister. But um, yeah, so you were saying anyway. There's a moment when his sister is talking. Right, when we meet her at the start of the film, when she's in his apartment. Yeah, yeah, and 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 she's basically saying that he he needs to um, he needs uh, he needs to to do something about his life uh, that life is beating him up. And I, I love that line that he gives, where he's like, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just waiting for life to get tired. It's a classic rope a dope. Exactly, which 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 says so much about Sebastian as a character. Yeah, and yeah, that, that, that's it. It it just comes back to the point about like he he's he's not he he is he is choosing to. I understand when when people get frustrated at these artists who are determined that they're that they're only going to um, uh, retain their integrity. Yeah, yeah. No the, matter what the cost. Yeah, yeah. That 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 it's that it's this very pretentious person who's determined to only photograph train crashes, um, but only and, the right and, sort of train crashes. Only the right sort of train crashes. Yeah, there there's there's so many train crashes that aren't. Yeah, and some of the stuff is just too commercial. Of course, yeah, 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 and 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 only 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 a true artist would know that. Yeah, but. Um, Sebastian is. Can I? He, can... he 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 is obsessed. Yeah. About his his art. Yeah. And he like 
you you can pe- people control all sorts of accusations about him being a hipster and him being pretentious. No, he he is that thing that yeah. he wants. To, he is exactly what he wants to be. Okay, I don't know. I think I think the film is. In, it's, it's, I think the film. It's when somebody says, "Oh, I'm a writer," and it's like, "What have you written lately?" That's 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 when. Um, when 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 when, <laughs> when Andrew when, doesn't when, have time for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, he 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 is he is determined to be this thing, but he's doing that thing. Okay. You know, it, it, it's 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 it's. I think there's it's a... not it's not that he's stuck up his own hole. It's 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 that he's an actual artist. Okay, I think there is a cynicism to I like I think that like and I think it's I thought I actually found it quite refreshing that. There is this trope or this convention of like the artist. One of the things that I really, really hate in in films like this or in stories like this is the idea that like artists live in a world where they are constantly being offered jobs that they can afford to turn down while going on to live their dreams. I think one of the things I really liked about the portrayal of Sebastian in La La Land is that uh, it it suggests that he can live his dreams. He can do the thing that he wants to do without compromising, but that it is not necessarily satisfying or it is not necessarily sort of fulfilling in the same way that that compromising would be like that he he is excited at the prospect of introducing Mia to jazz like he clearly wants jazz to remain a living organism like he talks about the need to respect its legacy and to preserve it but like the the question of does he actually manage to do any of that he gets to do what he wants to do which is is to operate a very nice basement club in which these jazz artifacts are preserved and framed on the wall but is he doing is he making sure that jazz will be accessible to to another generation is he keeping alive the music that he claims to love yeah and he is played he with, in the messengers yes that that's that's the, the uh, usually popular fictional jazz bands yeah. of, of 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 which he was a member and i like that the tour bi- toured for a number of years and i like that the movie sort of like despite the cliche of like the struggling artist and the integral artist like the movie seems to say that keith has a point despite all the arguments that you know the backlash that you get on twitter or the backlash that you're reading on the internet against the the politics of the film i think the film if it doesn't entirely agree with Keith, I think it's sympathetic to Keith. And I think it would even make the point that Keith yeah, does more for jazz it's than measures. Sebastian does. Yeah, People on the internet like to say that something is either one thing or the other. Yeah, that is a clear binary. Yeah, when, in fact, it, it, there's shades of grey. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to give up on traditional jazz in, in, in deference to new and revolutionary. And maybe... maybe um, Poppy poppy exploitative jazz yeah um it's it's as as darren says it's not binary yeah this yeah this this is a movie that um that has a lot to do with jazz but it doesn't have a position yeah well it doesn't it doesn't go so far as to say that it's there's one clear right answer or that generally people who have positions are wrong by the way can, um, Welcome to the Moral Relativism Podcast. Well, I'm not a moral relativist. I, Except I, when I, it comes to jazz. No, what I, what, I, what I mean by a position is somebody having an absolute position that they think is consistent. Um, if, you, if you have that sort of position on something, you're not consistent as much as you try to be. As much as you try to bite the bullet and say, no, 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 it's traditional. So it's like, when? Okay. 
the, what, what, what's 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 jazz and what's not what what arbitrary um criteria are you going to apply to this art form that has nothing to do with you um andrew is being andrew's taking this this criticism very personally okay so we talked a lot about sebastian let's talk about mia for a little bit um because mia is the other side of the coin and again mia is like Mia's great. Well, she's played by Emma Stone, who is fantastic. Emma Stone is, is just amazing. This is her third film romantically partnered with uh, Ryan Gosling, actually. Is it? Because they did uh, Stupid Crazy Love or Crazy Stupid Love. I can't remember what the order of those words is in the title. The one with Steve Carell. Love Crazy Stupid. Yeah, Love Crazy Stupid. They did that one together. And they also did, which was very good. And, and I highly enjoyed it and I highly recommend it. Uh, if you can find it based on the description that I've offered. Uh, and it, they also did Gangster Squad. Which is less good and less enjoyable, uh, but which also features them sort of swanning around Los Angeles together um, as a couple romantically involved, uh, which is kind of nice. So I like the idea of like this weird dysfunctional Los Angeles sort of, uh, was it uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling romantic trilogy? Yeah, I can I talk for a moment about about um, I won't make. I won't do that cliche thing of 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 calling it a, a character in the movie, but um, <laughs> about Los Angeles, about itself, Los Angeles, yeah, because yeah. it is like, obviously La La Land is is L A L A. Yeah, it's not it's not just a love letter to Hollywood, as in the um, the old musicals and the whole um, the institutions and the yeah, sort of yeah. the, the films and the the stuff. Yeah, it is, and very it's much... not just a love letter to jazz. Which, no, which 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 I would argue it is as well. Per, perhaps doesn't go as deep yeah. into 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 that relationship as it does with the with the world of the movies. But it's also a a a love letter to Los Angeles, the city. Um, and something that I found very satisfying. I have no wish to ever live in Los Angeles because it sounds like hell on on on, on, earth. on earth. Yeah, it seems much too hot, and there's much too much traffic, and it's much too big. And um, it's also very smoggy, and it's also very it, sprawling. Yeah, and it's also but, very disconnected. Uh, in spite of all that, I love Los Angeles for lots of reasons, and and I I I I I love I love this movie. Um, because because of of, of 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 the relationship it had with that city. Well, one of the things I like about La La Land as a as a sort of a love letter letter to LA, and it obviously it includes locations like the Griffith Observatory, and it's sort of uh, you know it includes all these sort of classic landmarks and stuff, places that people recognize from even other films set in around Los Angeles. But it also has that sort of recurring theme that you get in Los Angeles films of random sort of intersections. Like, I think because of the way Los Angeles laid out as a sprawling city that's sort of wider and deeper than it is tall. Apparently, urban planners or urban catastrophists expect uh, Dublin will take on <laughs> much the same um, uh, pattern as, as Los, Los Angeles has. It's like, okay, we're we going to get a... Keep them low and build them wide. Yeah, um, yeah. And just sort of hope that eventually the city covers most of the countryside. Yeah, but, so are we going to have a good public transport system? No, no, there's people just be in their cars all day. It's fine. And really angry at one another. Yeah. Um, but there is this sense in, and it happens in most Los Angeles stories. So, for example, um, Heat by Michael Mann, the, what you call it, the player, or well, even the Robert Altman films, like, say, Shortcut and stuff like that. But this idea of Los Angeles as a place, as compared to, say, New York, 
where lives are sort of drawn together in an overlapping pattern like the ensemble drama like even Pulp Fiction is a great example of that of lives that intersect in and around Los Angeles by chance because the city is so sprawling and so random and that the encounters are so arbitrary like the fact that Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling keep bumping into one another that they have to they overlap four times three or four times before they even get properly talking to one another is like a testament to this idea of connection in the city. Yeah. And I think it's sort of, it plays into this idea of, of sort of Los Angeles as a, as the way we like to imagine. Because Los Angeles has this sort of, it's hills and valleys, which is, is the perfect like geographical metaphor for the, the Hollywood experience or for how Los Angeles is seen as the city of dreams, which is this idea that you have the peaks, but you also have the valleys. You also have the gaps and the spaces in between. Yeah. And you can go from being the lowest to the highest in both a, a literal and a metaphorical sense. And, and this is... this movie portrays, by the way, very well how crap Los Angeles is. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's it's like for all that it is nostalgic and affectionate about, about cinema, it does capture the sense of listlessness that you can feel and the sort of the sense of, of like detachment. Like there's a great sequence early in the film where Mia goes to a party. Well, Mia goes to several parties over the course of the film. The first one is set to the, the the song "Someone in the Crowd." By the way, the songs are fantastic. The songs it? really are, and the choreography is amazing. God, choreography is even better. Yeah, and it, every, like stop, go go see the movie again. Um, if, you, if you've already paused it, listen to the podcast and come back to listen to the rest. This is the point where you stop, go back and watch it a second time. But the choreography is amazing and stunning. But there's like these sequences where in the film where Mia's at the party. And it's stuff like she's sitting on the couch with the two actors, the two female actors who don't want to know her. And she sits down and they stand up and it's all in rhythm. And then she sits down and, and then this guy, this sleazy party guy sits down beside her and he moves in to sort of to... to cop a feel or to grab her to touch her and she swings out of the way in rhythm to the music and even later when she sort of goes to the bathroom and she comes out and it's like everybody's moving in slow motion and she's just wandering through the crowd completely lost it, it captures that sense of sort of disconnect and that sense of isolation very well but even then there's the writer what's the name of the writer she meets at the second Carla party? I think Carla who I is think, I think I think he has yeah I think his name is Carla like and and, and if anyone says that's uh, that's a woman's name what about what about Carla from uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, played by Patrick Stewart in the BBC adaptation? But anyway, it was a very quick visit to the fact machine. It was a very quick visit to the fact machine. But anyway, so you were saying um, about we were talking about Carla, who's talking about like his pitch. I think his he, name is Carla. He's I the, hope it is. He's the parody of sort of the writer as the the ridiculous sort of soulless type. He's the guy who's like he's talking about how his writing is so hot right now, and they say he's very good at world building. And uh, it's just good to have that sort of validation right now. There's a lot of heat around me. Um, at one stage, we get to hear his pitch for a Goldilocks and the Three Bears film that could be the cornerstone of a franchise. I mean, there could be a fourth bear. We don't know about it. Um, and there is, there's this wonderful uh, sort of like... It's brilliant. It is. And there's even... This, a, this movie is the kind of movie that will make you laugh and cry. Sorry, <laughs> I, I interrupted Darren. As is. I'm prone to do. But they Go do. Go on, Darren. Anyway. Even, um, <laughs> But talking about like Los Angeles as a place where sort of where you can become disillusioned and jaded, like the sequence where Mia decides that she wants to be with Sebastian is the moment we cut to the conversation of her and her then boyfriend, Greg, and his brother talking about watching films on their home entertainment system. And it's very much like that's the moment at which you get like, this is how this is very much how La La Land feels. It's like it would much rather be in a cinema with Ryan Gosling than sitting around a table talking about home entertainment systems. And uh, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, I, I felt like, uh, thematically, sorry, 
I don't know why I'm using big words. Go with it. Um, just don't fight it. <laughs> just don't fight it. Don't fight it. Um, in this movie, there there are themes, yeah. and one of them I thought is um, is is the the whole idea and exploring what Los Angeles is. But another one, which speaks to what you were saying about, she's at the dinner with Greg. Yeah, and and she's. Um, and she's at the party and there's everyone's hooking up and there's someone trying to hook up with her and there's some guy being introduced to her yeah. and she has a a boyfriend, um, Greg. Um, He's clearly not at all that interested. Yeah. Yeah. Big theme of this movie is um, relationships, and which sounds very obvious um, and it is. But the whole idea that everyone is getting uh, paired up together, and oh, and that it, it's it's almost kind of expected. Yeah, and 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 there's some sense in which um, in which there's something different about the relationship that Sebastian and Mia um, have well, have have together. Well there is like I mean there's even the song Someone in the Crowd which is is like and this is one of the things I really like when we talked about it being it hitting many of the conventional beats but also sort of subverting them in a way like Someone in the Crowd is is that conventional love song which is like you will find somebody and that somebody will give you meaning and that somebody will give you purpose and that somebody will elevate you and make you complete and whole. It's a stereotypical sort of love song and it speaks to that idea that you had of sort of being paired up and being paired off. But sort of contrasted with the relationship that actually develops between Sebastian and Mia, where neither of them really needs the other in an immediate sort of sense for success. Like Mia receives encouragement from Sebastian and moral support, but it's I, f- I, f- I feel I feel like they both help each other achieve each they, other's dreams. They do, but not in a way where they're necessarily sort of codependent or that one is sort of subsumed into the other. Yeah, I I don't um, I I, feel... I I don't I don't know, I um so this 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 like I feel like I feel like it's it's an enabling and enriching relationship as opposed to one that exists as you know, as a sort of a, a, a like me as made complete through Sebastian sort of way if that makes sense. No, but no one should be made complete I know. through another person. I know, but there's a, there's a sense of that in the classical movies that this is sort of alluding to. I think I think a lot of those classical romances tend to treat. Like romance is something that completes a person. Yeah, but they're. I know they're wrong. I know they're wrong. Yes, amazing. Yes, and I think that's why this movie is more like more subversive in some ways than people give it credit for. Like I think it's a well aware of like when people talk about it being nostalgic or derivative, like it understands the tropes that it's working with, and it. Well, it's more true. Yes, yes, it is, and I think I think that's I think it doesn't get enough credit for that. Yeah, I think the portrayal of Sebastian and Mia as people who enable and enrich each other without being codependent or without being so entirely dependent on one another i think that's one of the more interesting facets of it yeah it 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 it, it also makes a point about you don't have to spend the rest of your life with that special someone you might meet them and share time together and 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 that that is worthwhile in is itself. Enough of itself yeah and 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 that's um, it's okay to 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 have that affection, even in enduring love, for 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 a person who's who stepped into your life at a certain time and, and meant a lot out. to you, 
and and remains yeah i, I mean I, I i thought i was very truthful yeah and it's not something that's that's often um reflected yeah yeah it's 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 yeah i mean well, I, 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 I i i liked that kind of uh um, i think it's it's something that we don't value enough as a culture is the idea that something has value because it is temporal yeah, the, like, the, 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 this this is a movie about nostalgia, yeah. but 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 it's a it's a, a very sympathetic look at nostalgia. I think I was listening to Simon Pegg talk about his movie. Is it World's End? Yeah, yeah, where he's talking about um, that movie is a movie about nostalgia, um, but it's it's it's, it's where consumed, nostalgia yeah. is an illness. Yeah, it's where it's consumed. because well, nostalgia was sounds originally. like 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 an illness. Well, it was originally a clinical condition. Oh, it really? was it was originally used to describe a psychological condition of detachment from the present. Oh, it doesn't just sound like neuralgia. No, no, it, it actually was originally. That's where the word comes from. Ah. Uh, only in recent years has it come to to be sort of um, in the past, say, 30, 40 years, has it come to represent something that isn't portrayed as an even as, as an illness. Well, like, 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 I'm, 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 I'm inclined to 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 think that nostalgia can be um, an illness. Yeah. For 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 example, a lot of people beyond dealing with. Um, well, you're talking about Simon Pegg, right? Right. So Simon Pegg gave that famous interview a little while ago where he talks about how contemporary... And this is, uh, this is ironic coming from Simon Pegg, who stars in movies like Mission Impossible and the new Star Trek films, which I love dearly, but to the point he's making. He argues that contemporary culture has used nostalgia to infantilize people, and that basically contemporary entertainment is more about taking people back to their childhoods through stuff like, say, Jurassic World, or through back through repeating franchises or sort of making sequels to things that people liked yeah. when they were kids. And, and there's, there's a reason for that. It's our fault. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not that the... It's not that the movies are in in infantilizing sort of, us. It's that we are allowing it's, ourselves. It's, it's 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 that they've been given um, an infantile market yeah. for which and to sell movies to. to. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know if you can blame movies for that. No, no, and, and like the market. Here we are talking about uh, sort of uh, market-driven economics and nostalgia. But I do think that La La Land does sort of like its understanding of something having value because it can pass. Um, is is remarkably profound for a movie that many accuse of being old fashioned and nostalgic. Like I think that La La Land appreciates that the era that it's yearning towards will never come back, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Yeah, yeah, the, it's 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 uh, it's a microcosm, I guess, of of the 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 relationship between uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, and, and 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 Emma Stone. Oh, okay. Is 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 analogous to his relationship um, to, to to jazz or the movies relationship to movies? Yeah, and I think actually there's something to be said for that as as a theme of the director Damien Chazelle because he did uh, Whiplash had something similar with the idea that it doesn't matter how good a person is in the long term, all you have to do is get one good performance. Like if if you can accomplish greatness on one occasion it is as good as, as being consistently great, or is it, it is as good as being consistently good. Like, if you can get one truly excellent moment, which happens at the end of Whiplash, then everything that happens before is justified, and everything that happens afterwards is meaningless. I mean... one. Or am one, I reading too much into it? No, no, no. I, 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 I agree with you. I, I, I think... I think um, the criticism maybe could be leveled at this movie, and I feel like we've 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 uh, we've 
we've we've we've we've kind of addressed it in different ways is is that this movie is encouraging people to go out and be dreamers and not contribute to society. <laughs> I you know, um, I think that me they, I think that like the well I I mean she she's she's these, these these people are artists yeah. and and there's an idea that like we I think I think there's a sense in which in I'm, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and say All right, that 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 we as people are confused sometimes about whether we exist in a society or in an economy and that this is a movie um, about that okay to 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 an extent it's 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 about the ch- um, the choices we make about how authentic are are we willing to be and to 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 what because ex- I, I I think th- th- people make the mistake of thinking um, a person's problem is that they're trying to be an artist and sometimes the people that they're thinking of when they're th- when they're diagnosing that problem. Are the people who are trying to be something that they're not? Really? I, 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 I think if 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 a person wants to make loads of money, then they should go out and make loads of money. And I think if a person wants to make art, they should go out and make art. And if you have a person who who wants both, that's when. You some of the uh, yeah and and when when elements of 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 appearing inauthentic can be because they haven't actually really decided who they are oh. that's 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 i guess what i what i what i what i think about this if 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 somebody if somebody is so single minded in their identity then they don't have the 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 kind of um conflicts that that other people do. Right. All right. I well, think we should probably talk a little bit about me actually, because we talked a lot about Sebastian. And one of the one of the criticisms, another criticism of the film, which I'm going to set up for you to knock down, is the argument that, uh, and I like this. I like that this has become Darren is playing devil's advocate despite loving La La Land, and sort of Andrew is the zealous defender of all that is right in the universe. Well, as a misogynist, I, I'll 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 generally leave talking about women until 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 the very end until the very end when we don't have enough time to discuss it. But yeah, so let's let's talk about Mia. Like the argument is that that Mia is not really a fully formed character, and that her arc exists in in service of Sebastian, which I think is a very much a misreading of the film. How? Yeah, I I don't get that either. I think the argument Are is these... that yeah, it's, I... it's just everyone everyone. I know, I know it's rich of me to say, because we're two people... Well, I'm a person who doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. And, and there's no shame in expressing it. I want to share my, my, my ill-formed opinions with the world. But wh- why, why, do, why do people... Well, the argument... The argument is that like me and never talking get... for the sake yeah. of talking. I know that's exactly I, what, what we're, we're doing at this moment in time. But oh, she, I just, she's 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 not she's not a fully formed character, which is nonsense. I that think. is that is that is actually complete nonsense. Yeah. And and I I I believe that 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 criticism it can be leveled at uh, f- far too many movies. Yeah. 
and that and that the people who who lay those um sorts of criticisms on movies and who 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 talk about the um Blessel test are right to do so no i think but it's a conversation pick, that needs pick to your pick your, your targets battles, yeah. you you can't just criticize every movie on 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 the same basis whether it's whether it's um merited or not yeah i i do and i think like I also think there's a there's a oh, but they could have focused more on Mia. Sorry, go on. I think there is a mis misunderstanding anger. though. There is a bit of anger there. I detect a lot of anger, Andrew. It's radiating like warmth. It's like a, Andrew's glowing red here, like one of those prime red colors. Of the yeah, film. What, it's just just leave 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 um, leave Ryan Gosling out of the movie entirely. Then 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 we'd be able to to. To, to, I, I think the to argument, focus on Emma, Emma Stone's character. I think the further. argument is that, say, Mia doesn't get um, much... Say, say, like, she doesn't get an equivalent to Sebastian's interest in jazz, for example. How uh, is... How is, th- is that what the argument is? That is the argument, is that, say, and, and for so example... She, she's you don't not get... obsessed with film. Yeah, and... And, you, and it what, is not her her, yeah. her, 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 her her reason for living. And you don't get, for example, to see her one woman show, for example. You don't get to see her bedroom full of 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 of, of movie memorabilia yeah. and uh, photographs of her in in plays and posters from classic films and even a, a yeah. giant a giant sort of black and white sort of film board by her bed. No, I think it's there and I think it's more subtle. It is absolutely and there. And it is. And I think it's worth pointing out well two things. I think first of all, like Sebastian accomplishes his dream but he moves very much in a straight line so he wants to own a jazz club and then he gets to own a jazz club on the other hand Mia's journey is a lot more complex because she begins as an actor and then sort of develops into she discovers that she wants to be a writer in her own right and then she becomes a creator and then she sort of becomes like she gets she gets a family she ends up happy she ends up sort of living this this life that seems much bigger now you can argue whether or not it's more meaningful than the life sebastian has but it certainly seems more full in that sebastian lives alone he's he's still idolizing jazz he's still sort of he's operating the club that he wanted to own but he has he has he actually changed has sebastian changed in any way from the beginning of the film to the end of the film except that he's finally done it yes I I would um okay. well sorry well, yeah, let, yes yes and no okay I I I do believe but has that... he changed more than Mia I think no. Mia's gone further and I think Mia is more rounded I think Mia is more the focus of the film like Sebastian I would argue she actually has a journey yes she has a journey yeah he has a walk at best. he he goes from something that he was going to do eventually do, um eventually yeah to like actually for, doing it yeah if like if if he hadn't went on tour with the messengers it probably would have taken longer yeah because he wouldn't have had the money rather yeah. than because he didn't have the ambition or rather than because he discovered something and, deep inside yeah, his ambition was quite modest in some ways yeah it where to, it was to have a club, it's like lots, lots of people have clubs. Yeah. Where, whereas on the other <laughs> hand, self and self and uh, Darren have. <laughs> but I, I do feel like I feel like Sebastian has not necessarily discovered anything about himself that he didn't already know, except that he now has the material. He he earns the money that makes it possible for him to actually do it. Whereas I feel like Mia finds the confidence to be a writer and to express herself and to be an individual almost like you get those wonderful shots and they're great they're actually like La La Land is very blisteringly blackly funny there's the great shots of her at all the auditions 
where she's always coming and going past women who look very much like her, dressed in except, exactly the same clothes. Ex- except, like the the em, Emma Stone is 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 gorgeous, but she she's a plain Jane. Her her beauty comes through her personality and performance, exactly, and her, and her energy. And there's yeah. there's 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 yeah, but where where whereas in the auditions, there there are all of these supermodels, like they're all taller, yeah. for example. Yeah. They're all sort of they're like all pouting. Yeah, and I think like. I think that's that's also like you want to talk about the movie's sort of attitude towards. I think the, I think La La Land is a is quite a feminist film, and that it's it's a pointed statement. Like Sebastian never finds himself in a room where he's surrounded by other Ryans, for example. Like he's never treated as somebody who's not replaceable or somebody who's part of a cognitive machine or treated as anonymous. Whereas Emma Stone's Mia is made to feel small and insignificant and sort of reductible. And like a cog in the machine. Yeah. Until she finds her own voice as a writer. And then she uses that to tell the story of her aunt. That then like she crafts her own identity and becomes her own person in a way that Sebastian doesn't really have to. I don't think. No, because he's a man. Yeah. Which is one of the best things. <laughs> about being a man. Isn't <laughs> about it? being a man is that you're a man and everything is great because you're a man. Yeah, well, you don't have the... Ex- like he when he joins, when he plays in those 80s bands or when he plays those crappy carols he's not treated as he's not reduced in any way like he's not treated as interchangeable he's not sort of diminished he's not like there's a very different sort of humiliation I, I, that sebastian experiences as compared to the, the yeah. treatment that mia receives he's, and i think that's pointed in the part in the case of the film he's 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 in his 30s and it doesn't matter because he's a man <laughs> yeah he's, he 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 refuses to um to make any compromises <laughs> or to meet people halfway doesn't yeah. matter. He's a man. He's a man. He he, like he 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 has so much wrong with him, but it doesn't matter <laughs> because he's, he's a, a man. man. Exactly. Whereas Emma Stone um, has these uh, imperfections that in some way make her more 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 perfect, but it, if of like she she. she she can't get away with that because yeah. she's not a man. Yeah. And to be honest, I just may have sneakily checked the fact machine there. Emma Stone is eight years younger than Ryan Gosling. Which sense. is not at all surprising. She's yeah. 28 and he's 36. Uh, which in some ways is an ironic way of proving the movie's point, uh, which is that there is a different standard that exists for it's male for men and women in the world. And that Mia has to break out of that mold and has to assert herself in a way that Seb simply doesn't have to. Sebastian doesn't have to. Yeah. And he has that luxury of doing it. And I think that, to be fair, for all the questionable decision of, of, of like, casting Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling as equivalent when, you know, there's a very clear discrepancy there, I think that the film does have some things to say about the way that we treat women and the way we look at women. Well, the half your age plus seven rule. Um, which is which is totally how these things operate, right? Yeah, yeah. It 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 it. it That's how they it, cast it Jack plays, Nicholson's movies, isn't it? Yeah, it it pla- it, it it does place um, Emma Stone comfortably, like three <laughs> with a three year window. Yeah. The 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 next movie, so long as uh, Ryan Gosling stays thirty six, uh, he can conceivably be cast next to a twenty five year old uh, ingenue. Yeah. In 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 his next movie, and Who it is not that, seem by weird the way? at all. Who's who's the biggest twenty five year old actress? I don't know. I feel old and out of touch. Is uh, what 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 age is Emma uh, Watson was in this movie as well, wasn't she? No, she wasn't. <laughs> She's twenty six years old. 
She's 26. So she's, she's just saying. So good news, Emma Watson. You can be Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling's um, love interest. Apologies. You, you, it's even possible that you could be Ryan Reynolds' love interest. He's got to be about, what, 48? He's got to be about that point. Um, but no, so I, I think that, yeah, I think that even though that casting decision leaves the film open to a, a lot of criticism, which I think we've duly given it, I think that the movie does, uh, look, yeah, no. And I mean, it's, it's standard it is, and it it's expected. Is, it is, it is, it is, it is. It is what it is. It's yeah. not. It's 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 not great, um, but but I mean to to the, to to criticize the casting of this movie and then to watch the movie and see how how well they work fantastic together. they work together yeah. and how and how good both of them are in yeah. this movie would be I think a little bit churlish. But yeah, yeah it's maybe illustrative of of a deeper problem. It is. I, mean, I um, one one thing I'd like to mention is go on, I, go for I know it. I know we mentioned the 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 songs. Um I I've I'm I'm going out on a limb um and suggesting that it it I'm I mean I'm I'm generally not a fan of these kind of earnest whatchamacallit uh, American Idol type singing, which some of it is. And so define that define that for me. Is that just like the, the deep sea sort of long like power ballad singing or what what do you mean when you say the American Idol style singing? Well, just in terms of I think it's the criticism that people had of pitch perfect. Oh and yeah. I, I think pitch perfect does it to to more of an extent. Is actual earnest singing okay. by 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 people who are very good at singing, as as in a lot of a lot of the music that uh, that we listen to from from years gone by are from people who are who are not necessarily great singers, um, and there's been a, a um, surge in recent times of of these singing competitions where you find a whole lot of people who have no um, story or narrative or yeah like, well other, other, other than the, the one that's yeah. crafted for them as yeah by the um, virtue of but it. but yeah who I have who, no life experience who are very so. good at singing songs yes yeah. and that's and that's all it who is. are technically proficient yeah yeah um and the so, idea that singing should be more than being technically proficient yeah which but, is interesting because uh, uh, yeah we were talking earlier and we said it at the very start of the podcast it's a nice little bookend is that Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are not necessarily classically trained singers or dancers, but but they're they're, they're brilliant. They're like, brilliant. They like the the way in which they're like the, the way in which they the, deliver. The, yeah, the the lyrics and the, the lines. Like Emma Stone is is a, like Gosling is great. At Emma no, Stone at no is point astounding. did I cringe for either of them. Yeah, uh, unlike during the opening bit that we um, did here. Un, unlike unlike for example not, Pierce Brosnan not, in <laughs> yeah un, unlike yeah uh, Mamma Mia yeah are you, you in, know that Pierce in, Brosnan in wanted fact, to release an album I know that Pierce Brosnan um, apparently it was great watching him do the circus before the film was released he was talking about how people had compared him to Shane McGowan and that there was already talk of a solo album and that kind of quickly dissipated once did the movie you know was that Alexander Armstrong released um, an album uh, before the Christmas, um, at some point back in November, I think he was on. He was on television. Okay. And I love Alexander Armstrong, but Alexander was that a joke? Um, <laughs> that, I couldn't tell because because it, it was like um, you remember me when the West Wind blows along the fields of barley. 
and, his, and, and and this was playing on like he was on uh, like morning uh, chat shows talking about his new album and, it's and like, performing from Alexander. Yeah. Are you trolling everybody? <laughs> um, are you pulling a Joaquin Phoenix here? Yeah, exactly. But but um, I so I can completely believe that. That Pierce Brosnan um, <laughs> might, might do something similar. Um, well, I don't think he did, but I, I just remember before the, before anybody had heard him sing, but he was talking about how he would never wanted to sing, but he was told he had the voice of an angel. Take Les Miserables. Yeah. Like, the as film, well is it? As, yeah, yes. And so apologies if I'm, I'm not saying that correctly. Hugh Jackman um, and Hathaway and Russell Crowe, which... Yeah. Yeah, because oh, they're such great singers. Well, this was a point of controversy between me and the person I saw it with. I, I quite loved Russell Crowe, not because he was a good singer, but because he tried. Like, he was so invested in, in his portrayal of Javet. I thought he was really good, uh, even though he, he could hit a note about as well as I can. And you've heard how well I can hit notes. Well, Russell Crowe's in a band, so he he should conceivably be be able to hit, hit notes better than you can. What's it called? Uh, Fifty Feet of Mud um, is the name of my band, but but I'm here to promote Noah. Ah, uh, Noah, Noah was great. I love Noah. But anyway, so yeah, we were talking about like professional singers and singers who have been trained to be singers. Yeah, but lame is 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 from from what I've heard of the songs. Yeah. In Les Mis, I like a lot of the songs from the play. I don't think they're very well done in the movie. And I can imagine that part of the reason they're not very good is because they got a whole lot of people who aren't very good <laughs> at singing. Who would have thought? But um, hold on, what, you, what is your... Can I ask my, my, what your point my, here is? My, 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 my argument started, is yeah. they're cringeworthy movies that that are so-called musicals but you started with the argument that too many people were manufactured singers that like the the narratives of stuff like x i don't think i made that argument i i shows that have been designed to 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 like to to train technically proficient singers yeah i think i think technically proficient singers belong in musicals oh okay i I don't I, i i i don't believe that technically proficient singers um, or it should, should 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 dominate popular culture yeah. because I think there's more important things yeah. than being technically proficient. There but are. if I'm watching a musical, I want it to be a person who's competent. In, See, this in... is this is Andrew compromising in a way that Sebastian never would. Yeah, and uh, and and by the way, like like the the um, there's something very 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 beautiful and vulnerable about their um, singing performances. Yes. In, in in this movie in, and in, in in a way that Mamma Mia and, <laughs> wasn't, uh, yeah. doesn't really quite get right <laughs> who would have thought that a lot of people like Mamma Mia by the way but I think more people like the I thought the musical, the musical. yeah, not the, yeah. not the film version um, so anyway so before we go I'm just going to ask you one question Andrew ask who, me who do you empathise more with Mia or Sebastian I because I sort of this was I was watching this and thinking this I was thinking I empathize with one of these characters more than the other and I'm sort of curious as to yeah which one you do I I empathize more with with Mia I think and in some ways I admire Sebastian more and let me explain what I mean by that there is something very simple uh, about him. 
as in there there's he's he's very um stubborn and i find i find something um perversely admirable in that did um did this this might split the opinion of the internet but somebody that i quite admire who's who's an irishman and we're gonna lose half our listeners because of this is Connor or bob geldof no uh uh conor mcgregor but that's not really an art which is better (laughs) take that meryl street (laughs) which is better or worse depending on, on 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 who you are and the thing I admire about him is how um, uh, straightforward a a person he is. In, <laughs> how in, committed he is to what he's yeah, doing. In in ter- in terms of because um, that that like he he he's a very he's a very he's a very, he he's very to to people who enjoy him he's very compelling, but he's he's a very simple person. He yes. wants to he, fight. And he to wants win. to fight. He wants lots of money, um, and, and he's and figured it. out a way to connect those two. Yeah. Pretty much, like, 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 and 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 I'm not that. That's that's that. It shows you how far you can go when when You're when driven when, when you streamlined your your ambitions to that extent. I mean, you were telling me you watched a documentary about him where his wife would be or his girlfriend would be walking the dogs. And he would still be sort of spot shadow boxing in the background as they walk yeah. around. Yeah, like, that's and, how committed uh, yeah. he is. And I, I guess going back to Sebastian and this movie, he's not even enjoying music a lot of the time. He's in his car, rewinding and playing over and the playing same beats over the same like maybe ten seconds. That's how serious he is about 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 his art. And people will people will watch this movie and say, "Oh, he's 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 pretentious. He's he's if 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 he's." If he's pretentious, who who is he pretending to be that he isn't? That's a fair point. Yeah, they, 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 it, it it's there. There's something pure about about that, and I I empathize more with Mia's character because she she is grounded. Um, not saying that I'm terribly grounded, but I I I know when to give up on my dreams. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> Or I'm <laughs> send care packages. <laughs> send care packages. Yeah. <laughs> Antibiotics for my ears, please. Andrew, you don't have to give up on your dreams. <laughs> I wanted to have a podcast. <laughs> and damn it, we made it happen. <laughs> Does that make me the Sebastian to your Mio? The hood is your Mio. The passive aggressive contrarian refusing to go along killjoy, isn't it? Um which is all because I actually I, I felt the same. I was I was worried watching it that I thought that maybe you might empathize a bit more with Sebastian's sort of single mindedness. <laughs> no, I sort of I empathize much more with Mia in terms of her willingness to compromise and her willingness to change in a way that Sebastian's not willing to change, and her sort of willingness to step outside her comfort zones in a way that Sebastian isn't. I think, and I think the film acknowledges that as. I think more than you think. Like yeah, I I, I think the film acknowledges that maybe as a flaw on Sebastian's part. That Mia doesn't share. I think. I think the film is much more sympathetic to Mia than it is Sebastian. But this may be I, a point on which we disagree. I think. I think that both people in this movie, that both people in this movie have have made their choices, and I feel like 
the movie respects them both respects both of 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 their decisions because it's it's implied at some point that mia's relationship with greg is quite shallow um and and well, he's introduced and, in a mirror. Oh yeah, yeah, which, and 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 which is and, a great establishing character moment. And that and that he's basically a douchebag. But but <laughs> I I I feel like there, I don't think the same thing is is done with her um, partner or husband yeah. uh, late, late, later on in the movie, with which with which she, they 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 have a child. Yeah. I feel like um, the movie is is very kind. To both of its uh, its main characters, yeah, and and I and I don't think it's too kind either. As 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 in, I don't think it's it's kind of glorifying anything that's 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 yeah. that's ignoble. Yeah. All right then. Um. So, do you think that it deserves to be the twenty third best movie of all time? I'm increasingly thinking that the IMDb two fifty is not a list of the two hundred and fifty best movies of all time. No, it's do deep. I do I think this is one of the best movies of all time? Yes. Um I, I <laughs> Your issue I, your issue is not that you think it's you don't think it's the twenty third best movie of all time. You think it should be higher. <laughs> well um, Watch out Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> exactly. No. Like I, I from talking to people about movies, it's very clear that the IMDb two fifty represents some people and not others. But it's a very it's as 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 Darren has pointed out, it's a very democratic list. Yeah. If your movies aren't represented by the IMDb two fifty, then maybe you should be more involved in the democratic process. <laughs> you can't complain about that president. If if you if you decided to stay at home because okay. your candidate didn't win the primary, you uh, you went you went you went a different direction with that than I was thinking. I thought you were going to complain about the the movie equivalent of Sebastian sitting at home rooting for RoboCop, <laughs> and exactly. bitterly devastated the RoboCop purist. But like RoboCop is is my example of a movie that I quite like. That's not under two fifty. But from from speaking to people, a lot of people um, found the movie clueless formative and and i i i i've I've seen clueless it's 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 been a long time but but i i i I think that's a great movie i i i I quite liked it and and and, i think that's down to the demographics of of the people who vote for the list which are mostly young and male which means that clueless doesn't get a look in unfortunately similarly mean girls i think mean girls is amazing means a lot more to people than say um the shawshank redemption to pick a random example oh I, I don't know. I, I, I know. I know you're not. Um, just to spoil a future podcast, I, I, I know you're not that mad about Shawshank Redemption, but I mean more in terms of. But yeah, it definitely. Let's see. It definitely does favor Blade Runner. I, yes, I've, 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 I feel like Blade Runner to pick means less to people per se than 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 uh, than either of the two movies that I just mentioned. I would disagree. I would say it means as much, but it means to a different demographic. Yeah. that's a demographic that votes. Blade Runner is to I think men of a certain age, so about our age would be the equivalent yeah. of Mean Girls to women, maybe a little bit younger than us, or maybe our age as well. Yeah. And I think that there is a silencing, like the the IMDb's two hundred and fifty doesn't generally include a lot of romantic comedies, uh, for example. It doesn't include a lot of romances. Uh, its comedies are generally like broader comedies, like The Big Lebowski, for example, stuff like that, as opposed to When Harry Met Sally, which is a masterpiece. 
I think there is there is a very clear bias there, and there is a structure. And it's very, and I I wonder like, is the reason that La La Land is ranked so high and it continues to climb, which astounds me. I didn't think it would come in at thirty, and I certainly didn't think it would climb to twenty three. But I think is that because it's such a nostalgic film that it appeals to the kind of people whose immediate response after seeing a film is to go onto a film website and rank it. Like, is this like calibrated perfectly for that sort of moviegoer? Well, are you, are you going to see other movies of of that time suddenly um, jump onto and climb up the, oh. the IMDb two fifty? Oh, you mean of the films that that say this is homaging and referencing? Yeah, I would be surprised if they did. Um, yeah. yeah. So you don't think it's that? I don't think it's okay. What? Oh, that that it it's, it appeals to the kind of people who, after seeing a movie, go online and vote about it. That it, it's very much a film I think that's crafted it, it towards does a certain appeal to the cinema. kind of people who go online and vote about it because <laughs> as, a lot of people went online and voted about as it. As demonstrated by the fact it's <laughs> self-evident. the people who went online and voted on it liked it. I like that. I think this the, is, the facts this, bear that out. This is, this is Andrew <laughs> delivering a verbal smackdown to Darren. Of course your obvious observation is obvious. Um, Fine. No, no, sorry. You're what? What? That's not a smackdown. I'm saying you're right. <laughs> that was that was very much a smackdown. You're quite right. But we do. We love La La Land. We think it's brilliant. Um, and we'll probably we'll play, might play you out with a bit of music from it, so you can imagine a montage playing out of the of the life that myself and Andrew might enjoy if we agreed on movies every once in a while. Um, it's quite beautiful. We're dancing to Gershwin. Even when we agree on movies, we, we don't agree to the right extent, which I like. It's it's not that we it's not that one of us didn't like La La Land. It's that one one of us didn't love it to the same extent as the other. And yeah. The, so now with that in mind, we'll bid you farewell. Uh, we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled podcast, uh, or not, depending on if something else comes into the uh, IDB 250. Uh, I'm Darren. I am Andrew. You can follow me on Twitter at at Darren underscore Winnie. You can follow Andrew at A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A. I'm going to get you to call out my Twitter handle from now on, Darren. That, that you, you did a great job of that. Thank you very much. You can also follow the 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 podcast at the 250 uh, subscribe to us on iTunes Stitcher uh, vote for us give us nice ratings help us bump us up we'd really appreciate it uh, and if you do I promise I will never sing again have a good evening take it easy guys bye